God with us, our destiny and our design. And yet, at the beginning, in a cheap and tragic exchange, we give away God with us. We break that relationship. We break that union. Because of our own pride and sin, we dismantle and unravel the union that we had with God. We, ch- we exchange it in a cheap and tragic exchange for separation. And with those broken pieces, we build a barrier. We build a fence. We build a blockade between us and God. God with us. God with us, and yet we exchange it for a fence, for a blockade, for a barrier. We have to begin at this point when we talk about Christmas. We have to begin to walk that journey through this season of Advent that Christians for centuries have observed as the time leading up to Christmas. And the reason we have to do that is because when we get to Christmas and we celebrate the arrival of the Savior, before we get there, we have to come to terms with our desperate need for a Savior in the first place. We have to become aware and awake to our need for salvation, to our need to be saved in the first place. And so before we celebrate the deliverance and the redemption, we embrace that bitter ache of captivity. And before we run ahead to the season of light, we remember that Advent begins in the dark. This is where it has to begin. And that we built a barrier between ourselves and God, dismantling, unraveling God with us and with the broken pieces construct a blockade. It's into this that we have the passage that we're looking at today. It's into this kind of situation and environment and reality that this is spoken. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 5 as Grant already read for us this morning. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So in the middle of this, amen, yeah. In the middle of this, we receive this promise and this flicker of hope. This first light for us in the darkness that the barrier that was built for us will be broken down. That what we built with our sin will itself be dismantled will be broken down, that every barrier that stands between us will be brought low. The valley will be raised up, the mountains brought low, the rough places a plain, a highway 
preparing the way for the arrival of God. Preparing the way for our deliverance and our redemption. So what we built that blocked us from God will be torn down. This is what Advent is. The boundaries of separation are breaking right before our eyes. In Advent, we see the first crack in the dam. All right, the old structures of separation have been compromised, and we see that crack beginning to grow and spread. And we realize that the flood of the presence is coming, that the old structures are giving way. And the flood of the presence is coming. And what used to block us can no longer hold us apart. That's what this passage is about this morning. Isaiah chapter 40, let's get a little bit of context of where this is happening and what's going on here, okay? Different scholars um, break down the book in different ways. They divide it up in different ways. But everyone agrees on this point. Everyone agrees that 40 is a break point in this entire book. That there is a pivot that is happening in this moment. That the declaration of comfort, comfort my people signifies a shift. That book, that chapters 1 through 39 oftentimes is called the book of judgment. That over and over again it's declared captivity is coming. Judgment is coming. Because of your constant sin and rebellion, judgment is coming. But there is a break at 40. It's like in the night when that first gray edge starts to appear out over the horizon. That's what's happening at this part of the book. There's a break and there's something new that is happening here. There is a shift. And there is a new direction marked by these words. Comfort, comfort my people. What used to hold us apart will hold us apart no longer. I am coming. Prepare the way. In fact, a way is being made. Where the valley is being raised up. The mountain brought low. The rough places a plain. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Prepare yourself for his arrival. In this passage, there there are several layers of meaning that we see happening here. And scripture does this so often. When we really take the time to look into it, we can see that there's so much happening that that you don't get just from one gloss across the surface. But there's so many meanings and, and layers of meaning that are happening here and that are alive in this book that itself is alive. It's kind of like um, the baptism video that, that we showed earlier. Uh, if you were there, that was such a great day. And, and, and you can watch what happened there on the video. But just from the video, you, you miss some of the things that are happening. Like one thing that you miss is you can kind of, in the video, see the guy off in the corner. But if you were there... You saw that when we got down there for the baptism, there was a guy fishing in the creek. And we're like, hey, man, not to bother you, but just want to let you know, like, a baptism is about to happen right here. 
And he's like, oh, that's cool. And he moved down like three feet. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, keep going. Yeah. And you could see that Jason was leading us in a song, right? And so Jason's back is to the creek. And the rest of us are looking at the creek as Jason is leading us. And what Jason didn't see is that like mid-song, he caught a fish. <laughs> we blessed those waters, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Classic, right? Classic. So <laughs> there are layers that are happening. And when we take the time to kind of dig down and to sink down in them, we can see what's happening on a broader scale. Okay? And so one of the things that we see here is that there, there are multiple contexts for this prophecy that's being given. The first is the immediate context for the people who are hearing it in that moment for the first time. And their context was this. Once again, because of their sin, they were about to be taken into captivity. They would be under captivity under the Babylonian Empire. But to those people who were about to go into captivity, God was speaking to them and saying, freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. You will be free. Captivity is not your future forever. You will be free. So there's the immediate context to those people. And we have to be honest about that and look at that and realize that that's where this passage starts, okay? But there's also a larger context that is happening. It's not just for the people in the present, but there's a context of the past and of the future, both alive in this passage right here. First, let's start with looking at the past, okay? In the past, as as they would have heard this prophecy, immediately a memory would have been sparked for them. As they heard this prophecy about a way being made in the desert, a voice calling in the desert, make way for the Lord, prepare the way for the Lord. Immediately, their minds would have rushed back to the story of the Exodus. Immediately, alive in their minds would have come these flashes of Moses and the people being delivered from slavery in Egypt after centuries of slavery in Egypt. This mention of the desert would have sparked that in them and it would have been a memory of God's faithfulness to them in the past. And this is a perfect story for us to to reflect on here at Advent because it's a story that overlaps so much with the promise of Advent, okay? It's alive with these themes of waiting and longing and hope and arrival and captivity and freedom. It's full of themes like this. As we talked last week, Advent is full of those themes. The best Christmas songs that we have talk about that, right? Like our Advent anthem that we sing here every week during this season, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. We've got both happening there, that tension of the captivity and the mourning and the longing, and at the same time, the hope and the arrival and the fulfillment and the freedom, both happening at once. We talked about that with, with our favorite Christmas songs. I have a confession to make. I, I, this is sad to me. 
There was a massive oversight in the message last week, and I just need to confess it to you. Um, I failed to mention one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time, which is just not Christmas without this song. Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. All right? Go look that up. Okay, cool. It gets you like right when it kicks in at the beginning. Oh, it's great. Okay. Anyway, so our our best Christmas songs are alive with this kind of tension. And and this is a perfect story for us to reflect on when we talk about Advent. Because this is our story, what's happening in Advent. This being led out of captivity and into freedom. And this desert period that happens in between. Right? And this desert that is in between. And this longing and the waiting and the hope and the arrival and the fulfillment. Now, another confession. I know that I'm obsessed with Moses. And I probably talk about Moses way too much here. Okay? But if you want to be mad about that, don't blame me. Blame scripture. All right? And let me know how that works out for you, by the way. Okay? (laughs) But scripture is full of of this kind of imagery, of the Exodus imagery. You cannot read through the Bible without tripping over and running into repeated images of the Exodus and of the Moses story over and over again. It's like trying to read through that without running into Moses. It's like trying to walk down Franklin Street with David Kaler without running into someone that he knows, okay? And all of David's friends said, Amen. All right. You have to budget like 15 extra minutes if you're going somewhere with him because you will get stopped and you will have to talk to someone and you will change their life in the process. Okay. Um, It's just a reality. Right. Or or it's kind of like uh, trying to go through Robbie Barnes's um, closet without running into plaid and flannel. Okay. (laughs) You can't do it. Amen. All right. Okay. It's like that. This story is everywhere through Scripture. Why? Because it is the defining story of the people of Israel. It was the way they identified themselves over and over again. They were the nation that God rescued from Egypt with a mighty hand and led them into freedom. It it shaped their identity the way they saw themselves. It wasn't just about their identity, though. God himself chooses to tie his own identity to this story as well. So all throughout scripture, you will see God identify himself in this way. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. And whenever Israel would forget that, God would remind that, uh, remind them of that. This is who I am and this is who you are. Never forget it. It defines us. It is our identity. It is our identity. It's a perfect story for us to reflect on here at Advent because it is our story as well. Now, when Israel thought about this desert period, there were two prominent images that would come to mind for them. The first would be the image of the Passover. Okay, and in the Passover, after being slaves for centuries in Egypt, God breaks the back of the mightiest nation in the world and sets these slaves free. He does it by using ten plagues to break them down. When they refuse to let the slaves go, God continues to show his strength 
plague after plague, they continue to refuse and try to hold Israel captive. But finally, they break with the last plague, devastating plague, when the angel of death comes through to take the firstborn in every household. Israel, however, was spared from this plague. Why and how? They took the blood of a spotless lamb and the blood was marked on their doorposts. And because their doorposts were marked by this blood, they were passed over and they were spared from this plague. This was the last and most devastating and heartbreaking of the plagues. And finally, Egypt was broken and Israel was free. They always remembered this, the Passover, still today, an elaborate ceremony to remember how God set them free. That's the first image of the desert that they would think of. There was a second image that they would think of with the desert. And they would think back, especially to Exodus chapter 25, where God says something for the first time. A statement is made for the first time recorded in Scripture since the garden. And God says to them this. He says, build for me a sanctuary. Build for me a tabernacle where I will dwell with my people. Where I will dwell with my people. The word tabernacle in Hebrew literally means dwelling. And for them, they would remember this, where they built this tabernacle, where God's own presence came to dwell with them. And this is what Advent is for us. It's a reminder of the return of the presence, that the garden was marked by us being separated from God. But the tabernacle is this powerful symbol of once again, God with us. God with us. That's what Advent declares to us, that God is with us, that God is with us. So when they would think about their past, when they would hear this prophecy about the desert, these images would come to mind for them. They would remember the way that God set them free through the Passover event, that event that showed to them that God was for them. But they would also remember the dwelling They would also remember the tabernacle. And they would remember that God promised to dwell with his people. Not just a momentary event, but an ongoing dwelling. His presence with us. This is the promise of Christmas. This is the hope of Advent. A sinless and spotless, willing sacrifice made to bring us freedom. When all we had known before was captivity, when all we were marked by before was captivity, now we are claimed by the Father, we are claimed by the King, and we are given freedom through Him. And also, Advent is for us the return of the presence God with us. God with us. 
God with us. So Israel would think of this in the past. It would be a, a memory that would be sparked for them. And as we read it today, in light of who Jesus is, it sends us ahead, imagining into the future, anticipating into the future the arrival of the presence. God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, the King who has come, the presence of God among us, God himself in flesh and blood. This is the promise. This is the promise. That's what Advent celebrates. We celebrate that the fence that we built up, that the barriers that we built up have been brought low, that a way has been made for us, that through the sacrifice of Jesus himself coming as a willing sacrifice, not just as a king, not just as a conqueror, but as a sacrifice, a way has been made for us. And also, it's that promise of God with us, God himself in flesh and blood dwelling with us. Remarkable, remarkable. So this morning, we want to celebrate that together. We're going to celebrate that together by sharing in communion. We're going to share in communion in the tabernacle, okay? And so here's what we're going to do today, all right? We're going to invite you in just a moment. We're going to have you, you can exit out this way, all right? Make your way down the aisle, come through the tabernacle, okay? And then as you come through, you'll go down, you'll come out right this aisle right here, okay? The second aisle in the row, right where Justin just popped out there, all right? (laughs) And you'll come out and then you can return to your seats that way, okay? Here's what we celebrate in this. Here's what we are marking in this. We're marking the sacrifice of the spotless lamb, the sinless life who came willingly to give himself to make a way, to make a way for us. And we also celebrate the presence, God with us. Even though we had built a fence and a barrier, he has dismantled it. He has broken it down. He has brought it low, and he invites us into his presence again. This is beautiful. This is what Christmas is. This is what Advent is. So we're going to celebrate that this morning. As we do that, we will break the bread, which represents the body of Christ broken for us. And with that breaking of his body, so comes the breaking down of the barriers of separation. And we're going to celebrate the cup, the blood of Christ poured out. And with that blood poured out, also was poured out on us the grace and the love of God at the expense of himself and his son. We're going to invite you into this. God invites you to his table. Here's what we do as Partaking in this, this is what this means. It means that you are embracing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You're embracing what he has done for you to win your salvation. If that's not what you mean by doing this, then we invite you not to participate. But if you want to be a part of that, you want to embrace that, that sacrifice is 
for you. And you are welcome at his table. The sacrifice and the presence making a way for us. We had been in darkness and now we see the light. We had known only captivity and now we hear these words pouring out over us. Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to you. Your sin has been paid for. Your captivity is over. Hear the voice in the wilderness declaring and in the desert preparing a way for the Lord is coming. The high places brought low. The low places brought up. The rough places a plain, a highway of salvation. And we are invited into it. Come and join us in the tabernacle.